you are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instructions. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Of course, you know, we are celebrating the 4th of July, so, you know, you should be proud to be in this nation. And, um, you know, I might have a little different perspective than most of you. I just want to, you know, lead into it with this. Because, you know, I grew up as an American, but I grew up in Mexico. So in central Mexico, um, you know, you grow, you grow up with some, it's just part of growing up. You know, you don't trust the government. You know, you, you, you know that the elections are rigged. You know that you can't trust cops. I mean, that's just the way you're raised. You know, everything was, is different down there. And then when you come up here, it was always like the dream, right? Everything was done right. And so it is kind of sad to see America leaning into some of the corruption that other nations have fallen into in their government. But, you know, America was never, it still is not the idea of a nation. I want you to grab on that as we celebrate. You know, it was always an idea. And that's kind of what's going to lead me into the message. You know, America was never about, okay, we're going to start forming another nation and end up like all the other nations. You know, idea, America is an idea more than it is a country. And the idea that you're free, that you're, you know, you're free to pursue happiness, you're free to, you know, pretty much small government, run your life to the best of your ability versus the rest of the world where everything is huge, huge, huge government. And of course, the extremes like we see in Cuba, communism and so forth. So when you come up here, you know, and you hear people bashing America and, you know, disdaining it and I'll, you know, I'll use the pulpit, you know, it's a holy desk, but I think it's also a place where truth should be spoken. Do you, you know, you do realize that the American Revolution birth was birthed in churches Think about that. You can go back and study that. The American Revolution, the, the seeds of revolutionary fire in America came from the pulpits of America. And that's where the first idea is that, that we could be a free nation and didn't have to be under the you know, rule of a tyrant as England you know, and the king and so forth came from the pulpit. And I think it's time that the pulpit comes back to that, not to be political, not to be negative, not to be controversial, but to do stand up for what's right. And when you see some of these athletes that, you know, disdain the American flag and turn their back on it, I'm thinking, man, you know, you really need to go to Mexico. You really need to go to Cuba. You really need to know what you're doing. So, you know, again, I have high, high, high respect for this nation because of what it, what it means to us. And it's given us the opportunity, you know, even though I was an American, I, I worked in Mexico and I worked for the Mexican government. And you don't make any money. I don't care how much, how what good a job you have down there, and everything is so hard to obtain. You know, to get a house, to get a vehicle, everything is so difficult. And you come up here, and everything's just so easy. And I think people take that for granted. So you know, hopefully today's the day that you're encouraged as an American, and really appreciate this nation. And it's not about starting a fight, but I, I think patriots should stand up for this nation. I think you know, use your social media, use your voice, without being an idiot, without being you know. But when, people, when you see these things, I think somebody should voice it say, no, you don't, you don't get to talk about this nation that way. Yes, this nation has a lot of problems, but tell me which nation doesn't. And if you still have to pick a nation to live in, 
from the nations that I visited. You know, some people say, oh, Europe's all lit. Europe's so nice. Yeah, Europe's, you know, 10 years ago, gas was $5 a gallon, and there's a camera on every corner, and everything's government-controlled and government-subsidized, so it's not the dream, as, as people would think. And people in Europe pay upward 60% tax to subsidize all their social programs. So there really is no place like this nation as far as the ability for you to do what you want to do, you know, and to manage your life accordingly. This is the, probably, I'm not going to say it's the only one, but it's one of the very, very few nations that has that. So praise God for this nation. Amen. You agree with that? And thank God we're part of it. All right. Let's, um, and, and because of that, you know, it was kind of funny because I had like a major shift in the message I guess Saturday started last yesterday afternoon. I'm like, I had everything ready, and and then I just felt, no, you know, let's let's go this. And I stopped and prayed, and Holy Spirit, and I was like a complete blank. And then little by little, it started coming. And so this morning, we're gonna we're gonna deal with you know we're in celebration of America. We're still on the subject of the Holy Spirit, but I want to go into and, and first of all, this, this is not on the screens, but open your Bibles to Acts chapter two. And then, we'll, and then we'll follow the outline. But Acts chapter 2, and we've been, you know, studying the, the early church. We've done two services. One was the Holy Spirit and the church. And then last week was the Holy Spirit in the church. And today we're going to talk about, you know, the Holy Spirit and the freedom that he brings and how that applies directly to you. Because this is one of those areas that, that I think is kind of vague. And we have to understand some of these principles. So in Acts chapter 2, you know, we... we no, you know, the filling of the Holy Spirit came up and they were filled. They went downstairs and they were talking in known languages to everybody. And people were asking, so what's going on? So Peter, um, I just want to pull one thing out of this idea. So Peter begins to explain what had just happened. And the way he does it, he goes to the prophet Joel. He goes to one of the prophets of the Old Testament and, and picks up that and say, this is what we're talking about. So if you go down to... Um, let's see, I'm trying to pick up where, where he picks up in verse 14, they said, but Peter standing up with the 11 lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words for they are not drunken as you suppose, seeing this is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And that really was where I was going to preach this morning, but I will probably go get into that next week. But I want to just, you know, listen to the next statement. It says, it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Upon all flesh. Now, of course, he is referring to all flesh that calls him God. He's not going to pour his spirit out on, you know, atheists and God mockers and Satanists and rioters, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, anti-God people. He's not going to do that. He's referring to, to the church, but he's also referring to the nation of Israel, you know, to the, to the followers of God, be it Jewish or Gentile. That's what he's referring to. But he is quoting Joel. And again, I, we'll, we'll dig into some of this probably next week because it's really, really, really good. But I want you to say this. He says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And then he tells you some of the expectations. He says, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven, above the signs of the earth, beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Then the sun shall be turned into darkness, 
and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, there's a lot to unpack, and I'm not going to get there. But my point is the Holy Spirit is wanting and desiring to move upon all flesh. And I know, you know, and this is what we're going to deal with, because the biggest attack that you're going to face with this is the idea that you're not worthy or just, be, you know, you've, done, you've messed up. And this is, again, this is not, we're, going to, we're going to unpack some of this. It's not a justification to go sin and say, well, I got God. But at the same time, you know, this one scripture, this is the title of the message, but that's the scripture I'm going to build on. This is where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And, you know, we're talking about Independence Day. We're talking about, you know, celebrating the, the freedom we have in this country. But we really need to understand what does the freedom mean by God. What is, what is spiritual freedom? So let's go right into it. And that scripture is in 2 Corinthians 3.17. You can start going through the slides if you want to. So it says, where the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Now I remember, let me tell you a, little, a, a quick, quick story. I hope it's a quick story, not a long one. When I have like this aha moment with this scripture, this was probably in the late 90s, 19... I want to say that it's probably 99, somewhere in there, maybe early 2000. We were at a church in, in Mexico. I had been invited to preach in Monterrey. And this church was very, very big on the charismatic movement. And they were very, very big on, on back, back then, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Don't worry about it. You don't have to Google it. But there was a move of the Holy Spirit that I believe was truth. There was a truth in there, but I don't believe what people did with it was the truth. And that was that the Spirit of God would move on you and you would get uncontrollable laughter and you would just, you know, and I believe God did that and there's scripture to support that. But then, you know, churches went off kind of on the deep end on this. So we went to this big church in Monterrey and it was a big church, probably about six or 800 people there um, when we preached. And boy, their praise and worship was on and it was long. It was like two hours and you would think it was over and they'd have announcements and then the praise and worship would come back on. And people were laughing and falling and just carrying on and running around the building. I mean, it was a wild environment. And the same people, you've heard me say this story, but the same people at the end of the service, you know, I, I preached, there's a, little, a lot of details I'm not going to get into, but the same people that were over there, you know, praising and running around the building and carrying on, when I gave an altar call, you, they came back, you know, a lot of these people came back and now they were pressed and they're crying and they're weeping and they have all this heaviness and all this burden and we're praying and I'm telling you, this service was super long. It started at 10 in the morning. We didn't get out there till close to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, that's a church service, right? And um, what I saw there was what we saw at the front end, what they called the Holy Spirit was not really the Holy Spirit because one of the characteristics of any move of the Holy Spirit, this includes your own personal life, any manifestation, anything that you think, I wonder if that's the Holy Ghost because some people say that, you know. Um, I think, the, I think the Lord is more concerned on developing us you know, in our influence than if we fall out on the floor. I'll be honest with you. Nothing wrong with that, but here's the thing. And I heard Creflo Dollar say this, and he said, it doesn't matter if you fall on the floor because the Holy Spirit, you know, somebody prayed for you and you passed out. He says, that doesn't, you know, that's, that doesn't matter. It matters how you get up. Can you hear it? Say amen. Because there's one little thing that's always going to be a characteristic of the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit moves in, there's always freedom of something. In other words, you're bound, Holy Spirit shows up, you're free now. And that could be a, a series of things. But if we're not careful, you know, we don't really understand what that freedom is. And then, you know, you find some Christians nowadays in modern Christianity, and it's really sad that they call something called hyper grace. And you don't want to go there. 
But hypergrace is basically they, they, they build so much on the, on the teaching of grace, which is fine, and we love grace, and if it wasn't for grace, not one of us would be here. But they take it to the extreme to say, you know what, it doesn't matter what you do, you're already saved, you know, you're going to heaven, if you want to party, you want to drink, you want to sleep around, whatever you want to do, that's fine, because you're saved. God gave you his grace, he forgave you for all your past sins, present sins, future sins. Well, I believe that statement, but I don't believe the previous statement, you know, because that's not the kind of freedom the Holy Spirit gave you. You don't need that. You already have that. I mean, do you need, you know, do you need somebody to tell you not to go party? <laughs> your, your mom tried. It didn't work. Right? I mean, you, got, you, you, you as a human have liberties that you can do whatever you want to. You know, you can go, hate say, you can go kill somebody if you want to. That doesn't exempt you from the consequences. But we have this freedom, that, and you don't want to confuse that with the Holy Spirit freedom because we... You know, and again, back to this great nation, this is probably, again, one of the nations where you have the most freedom. You know, there's no nation in the world, for example, that has, I mean, not one, zero, except for America, that has something like the Second Amendment. We're the only country in the whole planet that has that. Everywhere else, you know, you don't have, a, you don't have the freedom to go buy a gun and, you know, protect your family. You don't have that freedom. You know, and um, it, with Christianity, you have to be careful because, you, you know, you come from a world... And I think that is usually what we've all discovered, maybe not all of us, but some of us have discovered, that, in, that the things that the world promised you that would be your freedom, if you just go by a few more years later, you're going to find out that you're, they're your master. Do you understand? You know, when, when I was growing up, and again, I grew up in a Christian environment, Christian school, Christian home, Christian everything, but I felt so bound by that that at the first chance, I wanted to go to the world. I wanted to experience because this was so binding. And the things that I thought represented, I'm free of my parents. I'm free of the control of my parents. I'm free of all these rules. I'm free of all these regulations. So now I can go and drink and I can do whatever I want to. Those things that represented freedom to me from, if you want to call it, you know, being tied up by religion... At the front end, yeah, that was fun. You know, even the Bible says, you know, sin is pleasurable for a season. But before you know it, you, now those, the same things, you know, the same things that said, hey, this is, this is the party. This is the freedom. And again, I know we don't have, we have a small crowd as expected. You know, July 4th, more people are barbecuing than anything else. But here's my point. You know, those things that you thought were freedom, that liberty to go do whatever you want to, fast forward a few years, now you're tied up by them. Now you got an addiction. Now you got health issues. Now you got stuff that were the consequences of what? Freedom. So, you know, quickly you resolve that what the devil and the world tells you is freedom is not freedom. Are you here? Because, you know, again, I, I, I love this nation, but I want you to think this is the freest nation in the world, but you also have to understand it's the most drug addicted nation of the world. There's, it's, you know, probably one of the highest crime. I mean, we are, we are so free that, you know, no other nation has produced... The, 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 you know, the destruction that pornography has to people, to people's minds, to families, to children. This nation, you know, it's all over the world, but this nation was, has the biggest industry. You know, if you combined all, all sports, now this is a statistic of a few years ago, not that it, you, you care, but if you combine NFL, MLB, um, hockey, and I believe MLS, you know, the top, whatever the top sports in America are, all their revenue... Whatever money, all the top sports, you know, you, you know, 
American football, everything you can think of, basketball, NBA, combine them all, the pornography industry makes more money still. Isn't that crazy? And that's, you know, that's something that, you know, hey, give it to America. They're the ones that, they didn't, you know, they didn't invent that, but they birthed these things. So you think, man, this nation is so free, but with the freedom, we've brought a lot of destructive habits. Amen? You know, all this, you know, trouble that we have on the border with the drugs is because there's no other nation that's as addicted as America. Now, everyone is using drugs. I get that. But this is the nation. This is the one where all the cartels want to put their garbage in because they'll make the most money. So then, now you have a contrast. So we have, you know, we're the land of the free, but we're not free. We're all bound up. Well, let's switch it over to the church. You look at the church, and you find the same thing. Because Again, when I'm talking church, I'm not talking this church. We're part of a global church. Anything that falls under the, you know, the banner of Christianity, that's the church. And you find out that in a lot of circles, this freedom that he said he would give us has become another kind of bondage. It's come, you know, religious bondage, which is probably one of the worst. And you, once again, you find a lot of these attributes that you say, you know, if the Spirit of God has promised freedom, why are Christians so bound up? Amen. Let's just be honest. You know, we have all kinds of things that tie us down. So, so let's, let's kind of look into this. I want, I want to start with a quote that applies really to every area. You know, applies obviously in the natural, but it, I think there's an application to what I'm talking. And this was by Ronald Reagan, you know, one of our greatest presidents ever, at least in my estimation. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. You know, and he was talking about America. He was talking about our nation. Well, I think it's the same thing with Christianity. You know, if you don't really understand what the freedom is, then church becomes something else you're bound to. Pretty soon you'd, oh, I got to go to Sunday morning. I got to go to this. You know, I got to go serve in the praise team. You know, it becomes just another thing that's got you tied down. And that was never the idea. The spirit of God has to be involved in the right context. And that's what I'm trying to work this morning. So when you think about that, you know, we don't have any guarantee that, you know, what's happening here. And I'll tell you, this has been a pretty good year for Faithway as far as miracles, signs, wonders. And we had some powerful testimonies just in the, you know, in the first half of this year. But, you know, that doesn't ha- that, the only reason that happens is because the Holy Spirit has freedom to do it. And the Holy Spirit can leave any moment. I'm convinced that, you know, the Holy Spirit, if he's not welcome in a church, he'll leave a church. And the church will continue. They'll still do Sunday morning. They'll have praise songs. They'll, they'll do the whole church thing, but there's no Holy Spirit around to do any miracles, signs, wonders, or to change anything. So again, we have to consider what was the gift of freedom? What was the Holy Spirit gift? What does that even mean to a believer? Because if we don't put it in the right context, you know, you see it, you know, where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. So why do we go to so many churches where there isn't any freedom? People are still bound by cancer, still bound by marriage problems, still bound by kids that are running from God, still bound by, you know, financial crisis, still bound by all kinds of stuff. So, there's a, so we have to resolve, you know, why does the Bible say this, but the reality is this. And I think is that we have to understand exactly, and I only pulled a few ones because, I mean, when you start digging in, it just digs. But I just picked out about four or five principles that would cover this idea of freedom, and I want to give them to you this morning. So let's, let's go right into, the, into this as we're moving. I know it's, I'm getting 
taking a long time to get started here. So first one, I just want to kind of shotgun some scripture out you just to set the foundation. John 8, 36 says, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Question, who's the one that makes you free? It's up there on the screen, guys. It's not a trick question. Don't ask your wife. Which one is it? Can I call a friend? No, it's Jesus. You know, you have to develop a relationship with Jesus because he is the one that creates this freedom. Now, again, don't, don't raise your hand, but make a mental note. What is the one thing that controls your life this morning that is not Jesus? Don't answer. Some of you say, well, she's sitting next to me, Pastor. No, that doesn't count. Some of you will get that one later. You guys I need to make more noise because we're like a skeleton crowd this morning. <laughs> you know, what is the one thing that controls you? Somebody asked me, you know, I, I, talk, I talk with people that, you know, especially dealing with substance abuse, for example. And I had one of the, guy, the guys that, it was funny, these, I got these, I call them kids, well, they're in their 20s, they're helping me, we've been, we've had so much work, praise God, but it's been a lot of work. And he, they know I'm a pastor, and he asked me this week, you know, one of the kids that's working for me, he's, I guess he's 21, 22, he said, um, he said, is it okay to drink? What is, you know, and I said, well, he's asking me as a pastor, and I said, well, I said, the Bible has a kind of a gray area. What the Bible says is you shouldn't get drunk. And again, I'm not justifying that. I'm not, I'm not saying because in our culture, it's very different than a lot of cultures. You know, most Latinos, we don't drink for the taste. We could really care less. We're drinking for another reason and one reason only. <laughs> and that's to get wasted, Right? Come on, just admit it. When's the last time you heard a Mexican say, oh, it's so smooth? No. <laughs> they were like, right? they're like straight up. So in that context, you wonder, because you go to other cultures, and yes, it's for the taste, right, or whatever. But here's my question. Why, why does God, like, for example, that area, let's just talk about that area. Because first of all, there's no condemnation, so I'm not saying drink or don't drink. Let's just talk specifically about that one. Why would God not want you to be involved in, in something that, you know, intoxicates you at any level. It's not so much the intoxication, it's that who's in control. That's what it comes down to, who's in control. You know, when I do uh, alcohol, you know, alcoholic counseling or drug counseling, whatever, I always start with the people, I said, well, here's the thing, you know, if this thing was your best friend, whatever it is, you know, drugs or alcohol or pornography, whatever you're addicted to, if that was your best friend, would you hang out with him? And you know what they always tell me? No. Because that thing's taking all your money, it's taking all your joy, it's taking all your peace, it's causing you trouble at home, trouble, I mean, it's giving you all these headaches, but you're still bound to it. If, he, if you've gone through any kind of issue with substances, you understand what I'm talking to. You know, most drug addicts don't enjoy doing drugs. That's my experience. It's not like they enjoy it, it's just they can't do it. They can't stop it, so it controls them. So what, what God is really referring to, it's not so much the specifics but is it what, what is it that controls you? Because, you know, we could say, okay, let's get off substance abuse. Let's talk about your character. What if it's anger? Are you a very angry person? Or let's go on the other side. Maybe you're a very emotional person. Maybe you don't get angry. Maybe you just cry anytime somebody tells you something. Right? Nobody here this morning. All right. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, is there anything in your life that you don't have control over? Whatever it is. 
It could be shopping. It could be all kinds. You know, let's not just put it into the most extreme. But here's a scripture. In the Son makes you free. It's, a, it's, a, it's, not a, it's, it's completely conditional. It's not just Jesus set me free. Like we sing a little song. It's if. Well, question. Do you believe God wants you free? Yes, yes obviously. So then where does the if come in? I'll tell you where it comes in. Take the F off. I. You. It's it. You know, if you are willing to work with the Holy Ghost, if you are willing to let Jesus do his work, if you are willing to submit, because freedom with Christ is, you know, kind of, it's almost kind of like an oxymoron. Freedom with Christ means you have to become a bondservant of Christ. Isn't Paul saying I'm a bondservant? So it's kind of like, okay, I want to be free, but I have to become a slave. No, but you have to submit to something. Because most of us, you know, you, you maybe you've never heard it this way, but when you're just living your life with no God, and you're like, no, 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 I'm not going to church because, you know, that's religion and I'm free. And I went, no, you're not. Everybody's under the control of something. There's no such thing as you're, you're doing your own thing. Because when you're out in the world, you might not recognize it, you might not even know it, you might not even believe it, but the bottom line is you're under the control of the devil. Even if you're an atheist, you're under the control of the devil. You know, you can say, you know, you, you say, I don't believe, you know, I don't believe God is real. It's like I'm saying right now, well, I don't believe it's hot outside. Perhaps that's stupid, yeah, because it doesn't make a bit of difference. What I believe, when I walk out that door, it's going to be hot. And I think that's the same thing as an atheist. An atheist, well, I don't believe in God. Well, you, you know, whoopee-doo, that's great. You will. <laughs> you will. You will see Jesus face to face at some point. Now, let's keep moving. Give me the next one. So, freedom comes from living within the boundaries of the world. So, you know, the, the freedom that the Holy Spirit says, and like, I'll give you freedom, whatever. And I love this psalm. Just so, you know, I just pulled one out. I really was going to pull out like four scriptures above and below it. But it says, I will, talk, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. So the psalmist is saying, I will walk in freedom, not because I feel like being free. The only reason I can walk in freedom is because I already reached out into your stuff. Are you here this morning? And, and that's just where, guys, listen to me. The Bible is not Burger King. So this is an old ad. They don't use it anymore. But you remember the old ad? Have it your way? Which doesn't really make any sense because I don't, I've been to Burger King a long time. But we go to McDonald's. And Caden always orders a certain hamburger, and they always get it wrong. Yes. Right? Is that true? Like, I want it like this, like this, and you know they're like, well, yeah, whatever. Big Mac, all the way, you know. Thing. You know, and, and people are navigating the same thing with God. Say, so, okay, you know, I'm a Christian, I love the Christian experience, but the main thing you don't want to go to is hell. That's really the only thing you're on. Because... Other than that, you don't want God's opinion in any other area of your life. Holy grunts all across the room. I'll take them. I will walk in freedom, but you're not going to walk in freedom separate from God's word. That's just the way it is. So it's not have it your way. Because yes, we don't want to go to hell, but we do still want to do certain things where it's inconvenient for God to speak. Example given, tithing. Cricket sound, perfect. I'm in that total mood right now, so I'm fine. God stirs you, giving, forgiving, living clean. Oh, no, 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 no. I just, I just want to get to heaven. 
Don't, don't mess with my party. Don't mess with my sexual life. Don't mess with anything. Just get me to heaven. Well, I'm not the one to say if you're going or you're not. That's, that's between you and God, so I'm not even going to touch that. But you know what? I don't just want to get to heaven. That's the thing. Because this word has prospered us. This word has healed us. This word has given me my granddaughter that brought her, you know, from the brink of death. My wife is alive today because of this word. So the freedom that I chose comes with a lot of benefits. Yes, it includes living right. Yes, it includes living holy. But I remember Jesse Duplantis said this years and years ago, and it really blessed me. He said, you know what, if somebody told me tomorrow, without the shadow of a doubt, they just proved to the whole humanity that God wasn't real, Jesse said, I would still live this way. Because I don't know what it is about Christian living, but you live better. You sleep better. You don't navigate in fear. You don't hardly, you know, worry. Yes, we have arguments. Yes, we have fights. But it's, it's such a different environment than the world environment. You know, we're not wringing our fingers all the time about the latest crisis of whatever. Even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death. Guess what? Christians don't fear. So, I, you know, I wouldn't change that. Amen. Give the Lord praise. I wouldn't change that. I would still tithe. I would still sow. Why? Because I don't know how all that works, but that's the key to prosperity. So even if somebody came beyond the shadow of the doubt, but, you know, God is real. I'm not saying, but the the point of it is the freedom that you're going to get in Christianity will have the boundaries of the word. Amen? All right, let's keep moving. So, John, let's see. 8.36. 8.36. Oh, we already quoted that one. Yeah, keep, keep, I'm sorry, typo. Galatians 5, verse 1. It is for freedom, pay attention, let's read this one slow. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That to me is, you know, you got to kind of pause these words and let it sink a little bit because what is, what is Paul talking about? It is for the freedom that Christ has set us free. What freedom is he talking about? The freedom that comes that only Christ can give you. So that freedom, he sets you free to live a life. And not just the life that you want to do, a life that's designed by God. And I think, you know, one of the greatest human struggles that we all have is letting God, giving God those areas of our life. Because human nature, my nature, your nature is... Yes, I'm going to give God a bunch of stuff, but we still have a tendency to try to figure things out. Right? Are you still here this morning? We still have a tendency. I can do this. I know I can do this. God says, okay, go for it. You know? And three hours later, like, oh, Lord, help me. Well, I told you I was going to help you, but, you know, you chose to do something. And that is what it says. It is for freedom. And it says, stand firm and don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So he's answering the question. He says, okay, so the freedom of Christ, how is it going to? not work in your life. And again, this is the big you, the big I, the big me. It's up to you. Because I've seen, you know, maybe you've experienced this in your life. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in a lot of people's life. You see people that are fired up for God. And I'm not talking a couple weeks. I'm talking years. I mean, they're on and things are tracking and things are moving and their life's getting better. Their finances are getting better. Their marriage is getting better. And then one day, you know, out of the blue, something happens. You never see them again in church. And you wonder what happened. Well, you know what they did? They got burdened again. They started picking up burdens. They started picking up little things that now maybe God can't fix this and maybe God can't resolve this and maybe God can't, you know, correct this. And pretty soon you're picking up, picking up, picking up all these burdens 
And of course, guess what happens? You're right back to where you started from. So once again, it is the, the Christ gave you, you know, he came to give you a freedom within these boundaries. Again, this is going to be like, okay, so now we're going to break them down. I came up with about four of them. And if we have time, we'll, we'll go through them. We still, still have communion service, so I want to make time for that. So number one, let's, let's just break these down. These are just, I mean, there's a lot more, but I'd say, what did God give us freedom to do? Because, you know, you do the same thing with your kids. Do you ever tell your kids, oh, just do whatever you want? But they know and you know that that has a meaning. It's not like whatever you want. It's like whatever you want according to certain standards. Can you say amen? amen? So the freedom to be a blessing, I think, is great because this is where I, sometimes we think, you know, is this really part of what God called me to be free? And yes, of course he is. Because, you know, one of the attributes of the world, not, again, not everybody in the world, there's a lot of generous people that don't have God. I get it. You know, there's a lot of humanism. They do a lot of good for people. They don't really have God. But for the most part, let's just say it as a general rule, most people are out there to take care of themselves. Amen. Same to you. There's nothing wrong. You know, I got a responsibility over my family, over my kids, over my grandkids. They're going to be priority, obviously. Obviously, your kids. There's nothing wrong with that. But God called us to something great. He gave us a freedom to not only take care of our family, He gave us a freedom to help a lot of people. And that's a freedom. Because in the world, most people aren't doing that. Most people are just taking care of themselves. So it says, you, my brothers, were called to be free. Pay attention now. But don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, kind of, you know, loose paraphrase, use your freedom to serve one another. So once again, there's that, t- that, that twist that, 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 that you're going to find in, in this teaching and, and that it says, like, okay, God wants me free, but freedom... T- the freedom that God is defining includes things that I don't know if that's really called freedom. Because I want to free not to serve anybody. Come on, say amen. I just want to be free to serve myself, serve my family. But I don't really want to be free to serve Laudo. For example. That's what happens when you sit on the front row, right? But you know what? Part of my freedom includes I can serve him. And I can bless him. And I can help him. And by doing that, this is where people miss it. By doing that, I'm promoting my own freedom. Because everything in this life, you're not going to get away from this one, is seed time and harvest. So the freedom that God has given you is always connected to the law of Genesis by saying, you need to be a blessing. And then he goes on to say, don't use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. And then he says this, the entire law, all of it, is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So once again, you know, you know, as I'm blessing you, and hopefully, you know, we're, we're doing things, as you know, in Cuba and other nations. And, you, and I've heard people say, what are you guys doing over there? You know, you should be doing things locally. And, well, we do, you know, we do what we can locally. But, you know, we, we also have a calling on our life that God called us to do certain things. Well, that's your seed. So if you really want to experience freedom, start looking around your environment and see who you can help out. You guys are, like, sleepy this morning. Y'all stay out all night popping fireworks or what? Come on. Because we don't see it. You know, we're like, no, no, this is about me, Pastor. I need help. I need money. I need, you know, somebody needs to help me. Okay, this is how you become free. Because you're never going to divorce yourself from the principles of seed time and harvest. Everything a man soweth. Everything. That's what he's going to reap. That's the word, you know. Whatsoever a man soweth, that and that only he will reap. 
So God also, you know, this freedom that God, that the Holy Spirit brings us is the freedom that we get to choose what seeds we sow. It's the freedom to say, I can be a blessing to somebody even though I don't feel like it or even though I messed up or even though I need help. And I always tell people, you know, the, the Holy Spirit comes on you. We're talking about, you know, for weeks now talking about the, the experience of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if this ever happened to you, but you know, it, it's happened to me a few times and I feel bad every time it happens because, you know, you're, you're walking through the mall or whatever. I'm talking about in the normal world. I don't think I've been to a mall in so long. But, and you see somebody in a wheelchair and the Holy Spirit just rises up in you and says, come on, just pray for him and pull him out of that wheelchair in the name of Jesus. And you know it's probably going to work. But then the little voice comes and says, don't, you're, gonna, you're never going to lawsuit. Don't be stupid. Anybody can relate to that? Well, that's kind of what the Holy Spirit's referring with the scripture. He's given you the freedom, but he's given you the freedom to serve people. And by practicing that freedom, you're going to experience things in your life you've never experienced before. Because, you know, this is not, and don't wait till your life is perfect. I keep saying that don't wait till everything. For example, if, if the Lord prompts you to pray for somebody that's sick and you're sick, the devil's like, are you kidding me? How are you going to go pray for that person? Look at your condition. Well, hello, that's your seed. Amen. Amen. That's your seed. It doesn't matter if you're over there, you know, sick and whatever, you know, and, just, and somebody says, you need to pray for this person or call this person, pray for them. You need to do that because, once again, that is the freedom that comes from serving one another. Amen. All right, let me give you another one. I like this one. Freedom to live right. How about that one? What is right living? Well, right living is living according to the scriptures. That is right living. Do we all have it down 100%? Probably not. Let me start with a quote by Peter Marshall. May we think of freedom not as the right to do as we please, but the, as the opportunity to do what is right. That's a great quote. Because, you know, what he's saying is freedom is not just there so I can do whatever I want to. Freedom, I have the freedom to do the right things. First Peter 2.16 reads this way. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom to cover up for evil. And once again... Now, this is Peter talking. The other one was Paul talking. Peter says, live as servants of God. You got freedom, but you got to be a servant. You're not going to separate yourself from that. Amen? Okay? So you can live right. Some of you are struggling. You know, well, what does is, what is even live right? Well, again, you've been, if you've been following this series for weeks, guess what? Right here, the Holy Spirit tells you what to do and what not to do. You don't need a list. I can come up with lists if you want to. You'll find something that's not on the list and indulge in that. Amen. You know, the church back in the day, you know, they got really holy, holy on all the external sins. You know, don't drink, don't dance, don't smoke, don't. But they didn't touch the one about don't overeat. And that's in the Bible. And that's why we all ended up where we're at, right? (laughs) Including myself. Not because we're big on that one, right? Oh, don't do that. But the Bible covers a lot of areas. And it's very easy to pick the scandalous ones and say, well, I'm not doing that. But what about strife? What about envy? What about chismeando? Is that tongues? No, that's Spanish for gossiping. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. And you know how Christians, you know how Christian gossip is, right? They, 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 they hide it. They hide it. Because, you know, they, they just want to tell somebody this juicy piece of gossip, but they want to hide it Christianity, so they go... Hey, Laura, I'm going to tell you this so you can pray about it. Fíjate que... 
Just so you can pray about it. I'm not talking about that person. Come on, people. We are free, but not to cover up for evil. And don't be quick to judge the big scandalous sins because it's the same sin as the same thing. You know, you can say over there, oh, look at those people. Yeah, it's that whole two by four in your eye thingy. Right? All right. Y'all doing okay this morning? Number three. Freedom in your relationship with God. I think this is such a big one. And I had lots of scriptures for this one. But I said, if I don't stop it here, then we're not going to, we'll just end up here all morning. Freedom in your relationship with God. What does religion mean to you? And I'm not, you know, again, let, let's, let's define religion. The actual word religion. In Spanish, you can really see it. In English, it's a little harder to see if you don't understand Spanish. Well, this crowd, most people understand some Spanish. But speaking for our online church that maybe don't understand it, I want to break it down. So the word religion, from the Latin, from its basic roots, it, was, it wasn't used, it was, it was not being used in a negative sense, but it's a word that binds you. And it means return to bondage. That's what the word religion means. And the, and the way the, you know, it was really kind of birthed through the, you know, the Catholic Church and, the, you know, the, the first organized Christianity. And what they were telling people, they weren't telling people you got to be bound by religion. They were saying, bind yourself, tie yourself to the things of God. But, you know, we know what it turned into. Because the devil's not going to leave you alone just because you come to church. He'll probably work a little harder to try to distract you. Right? Because religion is, you know, one of the worst places where slavery occurs is inside of a church. And I'm not talking physical slavery, I'm talking religious slavery, because religion, you know, Jesus said in Mark 7, verse 13, I believe, he said, your traditions have made the word of God of no effect. You know, if we're not careful, we can find into a traditional thinking. And, I, you know, I spent a lot of time last uh, couple of weeks, uh, more I think more in Laredo than here, but referring to even the, the translation of, of how the King James Bible came to be. And they had to be careful not to take away the, the you know, quota- in quotations, the deity of the king. So they, they even changed scriptures around. The, and it's a great translation. Don't misunderstand me. It's a beautiful translation. It's probably one of the best ever. But at the end of the day, the translators were under the influence of the king. And that's why they had to come up with a priest. And that's why they had to come up with all these things so people didn't feel like they could go straight to God. Because if they did that, then we don't know, no longer need a king. So, th- so they even worked it where, like, no, 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 you, don't, you, know, you can't just go straight to God. You need a man of God. And if you're not careful, even in evangelical circles, it, it comes away, you know. Again, we're here, Monique and I are your pastors, we love you. We'll pray for you anytime you call us, we'll pray for you. If you text us, we'll pray for whatever. But at the end of the day, you can pray too. And nothing wrong to get your passion, nothing wrong to have a prayer partner, nothing wrong for prayer of agreement, you should. But don't you ever think you don't have access to him. Because religion, especially if you, I, I never came from Catholic background, my wife did. Again, I'm not, you know, most of you probably come from Catholic background. Again, no, I'm not knocking anything about anybody's religion. We're not, we're not in a war with Christians, all right? Our war is with the devil. But you do get taught that you've got to go to the priest. And, you know, not that it's all necessarily wrong, but at the end of the day, in 1 John, it says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive your sins. 
In other words, the idea of John is you can talk to God. So if you're coming from that background, you're going to have to work a little harder to even break that mindset because there is a mindset. You come in, I mean, if, if this is all you've ever known as a child, you know, go to the priest, confess your sins, and then you come in an evangelical church and say, oh, no, you can talk to God. You know, it's not that easy because you've been doing something your whole life. You all okay with this? Yeah. And even though you understand it in, in, in concept, you say, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, it is correct. I don't really need a priest. But you're so used to it that you're kind of weird talking to God. You kind of get weirded out by like, eh, I don't know if I should. No, listen to the scriptures. Ephesians 3.12 says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with what? Freedom. And that's why I always tell people, these are the free, this, where the spirit of the Lord is freedom. And one of the freedoms he gave you is you can talk to God all day. Anytime. You can talk to him when you're mad. You can talk to him when you're happy. You can talk to him when you're depressed. You can talk to him when you're crying. It doesn't matter. He is there. Listen, and that is a freedom that you should value, my God. Because, you know, most people that don't, have, I mean, no, most people, all people that don't have Jesus don't have that freedom. And it's okay, you know, if you need to talk to your priest. It's okay if you need to talk to your pastor. But don't you ever, you know, replace that. Because you're going to grow like you've never grown before if you learn that one of the freedoms that God gave you was to speak to him. Because even in the Old Testament, you couldn't do that. Remember, you had to have the priest and the, you know, the tabernacle and all this kind of stuff. No, in the New Testament, Jesus became the high priest. He became the ultimate authority. He paid the price to give you freedom to the throne. And to me, this is so wonderful. And hopefully, if you don't get any other word this morning, you get this one because every one of you has somebody to talk to. And if you've ever felt lonely, and if you've ever felt like, well, I don't have anybody to talk to, he's always been there. But, we, but since we can't see him, we think it's kind of weird. But I really challenge you, you know, use these freedoms. Because if you don't use them, you lose them. And God doesn't remove them, but the devil does. The devil will convince you that you're a good, no piece of trash. Who do you think you are to talk to God? The, the devil does not have any qualms in using religion against you. Actually, he loves religion. Because anything that can separate man from God, he's involved. Amen. And if you're not careful, you fall into religion. And religion, now, you know, and watch, watch how religion works, because this is a classic, right? You're going to church, you're doing everything, you're, you're here every service, prayer service. I mean, every time the church door is open, you're here. And then stuff in your life does, is, is not going the right way, and you need a miracle, or you need a favor of God, or you need God to move in your life. And that religious spirit will say, well, what else can I do? And you go down the list. I'm tithing, I'm giving, I'm serving. And now you're all, now you put yourself back into the law. Because now you're thinking that your actions somehow are going to give you more favor with God. And it doesn't work that way because there's no way you can outdo grace. Now there's, there's actions, you guys know this, there's actions after faith. But there is no action that you can impress God with. I don't get more favor because I'm behind this desk. I don't get more favor because I'm a pastor. I don't get no more favor. Are you kidding me? I got to do the same things you guys got to do. I got to get in the word. I, you know, when my family's under attack, I got to find out what God said. I got to go talk to him about it. I got to settle it to my, I have to talk to my wife. We have to settle. This is what the word of God said. This is our freedom. And then, then this is how it works. 
You put that word in your heart, you put that word in your mouth, and you just navigate through whatever storm and whatever challenge you're dealing with right now. But you don't navigate alone. You navigate with scripture, and you navigate with the fact that you can talk to him anytime. In him and through faith in him. In him and through faith. So once again, you're not going to get away from faith. But in him and through faith in him, we may approach God. Us, all of us. But you know, the devil will put in your little head. You're not good enough. You've been doing this. You've been doing that. No, you need to talk to pastor. Pastor can pray for you. Yes, I can pray for you, but you have the same access. That's my only point. You have this freedom. We all have the same freedom. Amen? So freedom in your relationship with God, like I said, if there's one point, I want you to get this morning is this one. Because you need to leave this building knowing, hey, I'm free to talk to God. I'm free to resolve some things in my life. There are things that you don't even trust your pastor. There, there are things in your life you don't trust your husband or your wife because, you know, it, it's, it's, it's stuff that you're dealing with. But guess who you can trust? God. You can always talk to God. You can always talk to God about anything you're going for. Amen. And my last point, which is the longest point, don't get excited. I like this one. You are free to be loved by God. That is such a powerful statement. When I, when I, this one I actually worked on this one early this morning. I got up like 5.36. I was already working on this one. Free to be loved. In a society where everything is... I don't know. I don't know what else to say. You know, it just seems like everything's about, once again, me, myself, my family... And I just got to navigate this world and I don't care about anybody else and nobody has to care about me and all this tough guy attitude. That, that doesn't work. This one scripture, the freedom, not only freedom to love God, freedom to talk to God, but you're also free to receive love. And that is a powerful, 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 powerful idea. Because when somebody feels love, this is even a, a national statistic on child development and things, you know, that I've read a long time ago, not, not recent history, but I remember I studied this out, and you find out, parents listen to me and grandparents listen to me, even if, even if you're a single mom, listen to me, or a single dad, if you demonstrate love to those kids versus a kid that is not demonstrated in love or demonstrated love, and I'm not talking abuse and all that. I'm not, I'm not talking extreme. I'm just talking about not a lot of affection, not a lot of encouragement. Statistically, the kids, and it doesn't matter what they're, because some people say, what's well, their past? You know, no, no, no. It, it, they, they did this study across the board, and it was always the same, you know, similar numbers, was a child. It doesn't matter if he came from a very, one of the, you know, there, there's a lot of examples out there, you know, people that came from, very hard circumstances, very difficult upbringing, no money, maybe single parents home, but the one parent just loved that kid and believed in that kid and encouraged that kid. And that kid became, you know, a multimillionaire and didn't have anything at the back end. And the same thing goes with the front end. Now you have a kid that's born into, you know, a house of gold per se, and the same thing. The, the kid is just there, the parents are busy making money, and that kid... You know, with all the resources and all the money and everything, the best education turned out to do nothing with his life. So it's not the root of, you know, of where you came from. It is 
were you loved by somebody? Because when you are loved by somebody, it, and sometimes it doesn't even have to be a parent. There's stories of us, well, there was a coach that, you know, went the extra mile, or there was a teacher that went the extra mile, or there was somebody that cared enough for that person. And it caused that person to, you know what? To believe in themselves. And that is exactly what God's trying to do. And I'm going to show you with, there's a lot in here because it's Romans chapter 8, and this is just the end of Romans chapter 8. But the idea to be free, one of the freedoms, where the Spirit of the Lord there is freedom, the freedom that comes by receiving love without anything that you did. Think about you as a parent. Think about you as a child. And, and hopefully, you know, you, there was a, at least one loving parent in your life. You know, what did you do to gain that? What, you know, how hard did you work to be loved? Nothing. You were born. You became, right? You existed. And because you exist, now somebody, you become the object of somebody's affection. You become the object of this love. And if that love is real and pure, that love will always believe in that person, that little baby and that child. And that child starts growing and the child starts believing in himself, believing in himself, believing in himself. And he'll grow up and he'll be a success. Now, pay, now with that in mind, look at this. If that happens... Like I said, these statistics are out there. You can Google them if you want. If that happens, you're going to, you know, in the natural, imagine how it happens in the spiritual realm. So Romans 8.31 says, what shall we say to these things? Now pay attention because this is going to bring it home and every one of us can relate. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall not he with him also freely give us all things? So if God gave you the best, are you still with me? His son, and put him on a cross. What area do you think God's holding out on you? Because, of course, that's the devil lies to you that way, right? Well, you know, God's not going to do that for you. Now, he did that for Pastor Box, but he's not going to do that for you. No, he's not holding out on anybody. If he already gave you the best... This is, man, this should get you guys to make a list this morning and say, man, these are all the things that I need right now in my life. I'm telling you, put a house down, put a car, I mean, put whatever you need. Because he's already telling you, he says, if I gave you my son, what else am I, what am I going to hold out on you? Nothing. Obviously, nothing within the context of the scriptures, all right? So, he that not spared his son, I'm sorry, verse 33, who shall lay anything to the, to the charge of God's elect. And I know this is King James, but what is he saying is, who's going to accuse him? Who's accusing you right now? Who's bringing up your past? Who's bringing up your guilt? Who is beating you up? You know, I know obviously the root is the devil, but that person, there could be a person that does that. <laughs> Amen? Maybe there's a certain person in your life that they're on a mission to make your life miserable, right? Well, at the end of the day, the root is still the same. It's Satan. But here's the question that God is asking. Well, Paul is asking by the writing of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to talk about a spiritual chapter, you need to read Romans 8. It's all about walking in the Spirit. It says, who shall lay anything against you? Who has a right to condemn you? Nobody. Nobody has a right. It is God that justified. Who is he that condemned? Well, it's not God. Because it says, it is Christ who died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Give me the next one. And who shall separate us, pay attention now, from the love of Christ? 
And right there it tells you some of the stuff that you're dealing with in life. It has a mission. It has a mission. And it could be everything from a medical condition to a person or finances or just depression or just anxiety or COVID. You call it what you may, but at the end of it, it has one mission. It's trying to separate you from how much God loves you. That's all it is. And I think that is one of the greatest, you know, if I can say tragedies of the Christian church is that we really don't realize how much God loves us. Because when you realize how much somebody loves you, back to my first statement on this point, you're going to have so much peace in that relationship. And that peace causes you to be creative and to grow and to look at your life as, you know, as a success. Because out there, there are a lot of things, a lot of people, a lot of circumstances that will try to tell you you're never going to be a success. And you'll start adding, what, more work, get another job, do this, do that, trying to, you know, pursuing success. Nothing wrong with working hard. I believe in working hard. But your success doesn't come from working. It comes from God. Amen? That's where your success is at. Let me finish this up. So now he goes down the list. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you're dealing with any of this this morning, this is your independence day from that. Glory to God. Tribulation? Troubles? Well, what is tribulation? Everything that troubles you. Everything that is designed to attack you. From stress, to people, to doctor's reports, to finances. You know, even the news, if you watch a lot of it, it'll stress you out. Distress? Distress is a place of, hopeful, of, of hopelessness. I was reading, a, in, pre, in preparing for the message, I came across an interesting story, but it was, it was kind of depressing, so I didn't use it, but I'll mention it briefly. Because I had a different title. It was like a different angle to what I was going to talk, and I had that story. But it's still an interesting story. I believe it was in the 1920s, or early in the 1900s, there was a submarine accident off the coast of America. The Coast Guard ship hit a sub, and the sub sank, and there were 40 um, sailors trapped in that, and they tried really, really hard to get them out. But one of the things that happened is when they would go down, and it's a very long story, so I'm not going to hit you, but I mean, they did it so much to try to save them, and at the end, they didn't save them, but through Morse code, they would communicate from the, from the vessel to the people that were trying to rescue him. And in the Morse code, the message is, is there hope? The people inside the, the sunken submarine were asking the rescuers, is there hope? And their rescuers answered, there's hope. We're doing the best we can. Well, they didn't. They weren't able to do it. And all 40 died, which is very tragic. But the idea that came back to me, is there hope? Is there hope? You know, you look at America right now, and at least, you know, depends how you look at it, but if you just look at where we're at, you, you wonder, is there hope for this nation? Well, I believe there's still hope, you know, because it's still a Christian nation. But, you know, you might be facing situations this morning where you're looking at, is there hope? Yes, there's hope. That's, that's what the word distress means. Distress doesn't just mean being in problems. Yes, distress, we're distressed. But part of, you know, part of the angle that the word distress carries is we're not only worried, we're hopeless. And, and once again, it says, what can separate you from the love of God? Can tribulation? No. As bad as tribulation is, and we don't want to tribulate, but we'll go through some things. Well, what about hopelessness? 
Is there hopelessness in your life? Is something a hopeless situation, a hopeless situation with your kids, a hopeless situation in your marriage, a hopeless situation that the doctor told you? Is there something in your life that seems hopeless? Well, if it is, hang on because God's got it. Just like he's got the tribulation, he's got the hopelessness. What about persecution? Now, we really don't know what persecution is, so it's really hard for the American mind to crank on to what persecution is. The persecution is attacks completely because of your faith. That's all it means. And I'm talking back then, it was death. It was torture. You know, nowadays, somebody makes fun of you on Facebook, and you're like, oh, I'm persecuted for my faith. Oh, shut up. Go to Cuba. Find out what persecution is. You know, go, go to... Africa, Central Africa, where the radical Islam is murdering and killing Christians all day. We don't hear about it, but it happens every day. Go to the Middle East, you know, through these tribal areas where Christians are being murdered every day. So persecution is, you know, anything that you perceive or has come against you because of your faith. Yeah, you know, your, your faith's going to be attacked. You might as well, you know, people make fun of you. But at the end of the day, we're not really persecuted. But nonetheless, it's there. How about famine? Now, we don't even have any context of that <laughs> in America. But let's just use it in something we can relate to. Because famine really means dying of starvation. Well, we have different kinds of famine, right? But at the end of famine, I know it's, you know, back in this day it was a thing. Right now in Cuba, there's certain parts of the island that are now experiencing famine. Which is absolutely insane because they live on an island, right? With fish and waters, but that's just how communism works. But famine, it can mean lack. Any part of your life where there's starvation or any part of your life that you're hungry for. Because, you know, obviously we're not going to talk about food famine because there's no such thing as food famine in America. But is there famine of something else? Is there, famine, is there something you're, that, that you have hung, you're hungry for? Are you hungry for peace in your home? Are you hungry for health? Are you hungry for just peace in your mind? You know, so this, this word, you know, we could really take it a long way and say, what are we hungry for? What area of our life, what vital area of our life we don't have? God said, I got it. Once again, when you see and you find these areas, the reason I'm pointing this out, like I told you, this point was going to take the longest, was because you need to leave this building this morning thinking, yep, I need this, yep, I need that, yep, I'm missing here, yep, I'm going in there, yep, I need to talk more to God. You know, you need to go down this list, but you really need to go to this list and say, what area of your life are you hungry for? That, you know, you, you, you hunger to see something. And I, I know, you know, the different seasons of our life, I, I hunger to see, you know, success in my family, to see my kids succeed, to see our ministry succeed, to see church succeed. There's a desire, there's a hunger, there's a passion. Well, you know, you could use the word famine in that context. And then, of course, nakedness. You know, obviously, we understand what that is. It's part of famine. So you don't have anything to eat. You don't have anything to wear. Well, again, most of us in America don't know what that is. But nonetheless, there's still two ideas of lack. Peril. Well, we, yeah, that one, we know what it is, right? There's peril all around. There's violence. You know, some of the stuff, you know, right now, the crime rate in America is the highest it's been in something like, you know, 20-something years. It's never been this high. People are out of control. People are, you know, New York City, it's almost like a movie now. People are getting shot in broad daylight, you know. It's crazy. So, so we, live in a, we live in a violent society. Are you still here? Are we afraid of it? No. I remember when, I, when we first moved out to the ranch, we got asked so many times, aren't you guys afraid of living out there? I was like, no, hombre. 
Because, you know, the snakes at the ranch, they crawl. The snakes in Heavenville, they walk. That's all I'm going to say about that. I am blessed living out there, man. Are you kidding me? We sleep good at night. Every time we just got to, once in a while we just got to shoot a dog because they bark too much. But other than that, no, we don't shoot our dogs. Unless we have to. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's, that's brutal. Think about this. We live in a peril world. Look at the situation on the border. I mean, look at the COVID situation. You know, people are like, ooh, we're past COVID. Now, if you, if you watch the news, you're not, they're not past COVID. They got a new strain and a new this and a new that. I'm like, well, somebody said, aren't you concerned about the new strains? I'm like, I wasn't concerned about the last one. Amen? Unvax, unafraid. You do what you got to do. I took a Holy Ghost vax last year. Still good. I might need a booster. Holy Spirit, I need a booster for the new strains of COVID. No, nothing wrong with that. I'm saying, but we live in a world that we have no control over a lot of stuff. All it takes is one little bug changes the whole world. Change the economy. Change the way we operate. You know, such a relief now to see people without masks, but you still see people that are so controlled by this thing. One that bugs me, again, help me, pray for me. I'm not criticizing people. But you see people driving in their car by themselves with a mask on. I'm like, that's like absolutely insane. I mean, that's how, or how about this one in Laredo? You see a lot, you see people jogging, which I don't know why they would want to do that. But anyway, they're jogging with a mask on. I'm like, jogging is hard enough without a mask. I mean, what is that? But you know what it tells you? It tells you people that have been completely controlled by something. Again, I'm not knocking any of it. I'm just saying, be careful because, you know, that is some of the peril that is out there. And it could be another bug next year. Or it could be an asteroid. Or it could be anything. But you know what? We're not afraid of any of it. Are you still here this morning? So, so remember, all these are the things that try to separate you from love. I know I'm spending a lot of time on each one, but get the idea. What is the context? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And this is not a typo. The reason he didn't say what, he said who. Because Paul, in his writing, understood that the influence was Satan. So all these are influenced by Satan. This is not a what. Tribulation is not a what, it's a who. Amen? Distress is not a what, it's a who. All these are, these are spirits that are trying to work you, work you, work you to one little, and they got one mission, separate you from the idea that God loves you. Because if, he, if you are convinced that God loves you, guess what? You're going to beat every one of those things. You will go through them, but you will completely go through them. You won't camp out. You won't spend a season in any of them. You'll just go through them. And here it comes. He says, peril or sword, which kind of means the same thing, you know. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Remember, they are not sheep as the slaughter. They're counted as sheep to the slaughter. Now, I believe it was, maybe it was Rick Renner. I don't know. He, he did such a tremendous job on this. Pastor Rick Renner, he's such a great, great teacher. But he talks about, this one phrase, he says, you know, the sheep are going to the slaughter. Now, here in South Texas, you know, we don't do a lot of sheep, but we do cattle, but it's the same thing. And when you're going to sell cows or you're going to sell your calves, you know, you got, what do you got? Ranchers, you all know what it's called? It's called a cut and shoot, right? Or a cut and gate. So you got the trailer, you got the gate. You, act like, you guys act like you don't, like you're from New York. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And here come those cows. 
And this one goes and this one doesn't. And some guy has to throw the gate, right? Throw the gate. This one goes this way. This one goes this way. This one goes this way. That's the picture that he's painting. We're all, we're all going to die. But right before we get put in that trailer, guess what? That cutting gate was cut and Jesus went through and you got separated from that. That's what that means. Don't you ever forget that. And I'm painting this picture for you because, yes, as you're going through troubles, as you're going through trials, you've got to say, no, 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 my God loves me so much that he's not going to let me go through this for eternity. And not only he's not going to let me go through this, I'm going to win whatever I'm being challenged with, right? I'm going to beat this thing. There's no way God, and it's not even about you anymore. It's about how much he loves you. And, 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 and to me, it amazes me because I still have trouble sometimes when we go through trials, we don't think this way. We think, oh my God, what are we going to do? You know, what, you know, figure this out. No, we have to go ahead and relax in the fact that God loves you. That's one of the freedoms that the Holy Spirit gave you. Freedom to be loved by God. And, is it, and he, so that is what he paints the picture. We are counted as sheep to the slaughter. Nay, in other words, no. In all these things, read that statement with me. In all of them, we are more than conquerors. All of them, every single one of them, we win. It's not like, he, well, you, you, know, you might win all of them. But you live, no, all of them. And then he goes on to say, he's not done. I, I love when, he, when Paul starts running out of words because you can feel it. The Holy Spirit's on him. He's writing by, by inspiration. And then he goes, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. I mean, he's running out of words now, right? He just covered the whole gambit. Everything shall separate us from the love of God. Nothing. I mean, that, I mean, like I said, if you get, the, get this one, take it home. Because part of our freedom, yes, we're celebrating Independence Day, but part of our freedom sits on the fact that we are free by the Spirit of God. Free to live right, free to be a blessing, but especially free to be loved by God. Amen. Amen. He says, we'll be able to separate us from love who is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I want to just, to close, and I promise I'll close with this, because I heard such a great illustration. I, I, I forget it. You know, it wasn't mine. Somebody said it, just a real good one. So he said, trying to understand what it means to be more than conquerors. What does it even mean, more than conquerors? So he already painted a picture that you're a sheep to the slaughter, but you, but you got cut off at the last moment, and you didn't die, and Jesus went ahead. Okay, so you got that picture. So what does it mean to be more than conquerors? And the story I heard was, was great, and back then it was, you know, one of the great boxers. I forget which one they, they used, but, we you know, we could just, just pick a name, you know, of, of any boxer that you like. But anyhow, so he, you know, he prepares for his fight. They work months and months and months dieting and training every day and going to the gym every day and running every day. And, and then he, the day finally comes, and he's been working and working. They finally comes, he gets on the ring, and here we go, you know, and it, and it is an even match, and they're just beating the fire out of each other. And it finally comes to a decision at the end, and both of them are bloodied and the eyes swollen, if you can get the picture. And, you know, the, the ref is holding both hands, and all of a sudden they raise the hand of one guy, and both eyes are almost shut down, and he wins. And you know how they have that big old huge check that they show? It's not really the real check they get, because you couldn't deposit that. But... Well, it'd be kind of hard to put it through the drive-thru, right? Here's my deposit. And he won just, you know, $50 million, whatever, and everybody's clapping. But then he gets the real check, right? The little paper one. And he's like, yeah, you won this. And, you know, he goes home, and his wife's there, and, and he's all beat up, and she's putting ice. 
And then she gets that check and says, here, I'll take that. Guess what she is? She's more than conquer. Because she didn't have to train. She didn't have to get beat up. She didn't have to go to the ring. She's more than conquer. He conquered, but she's more than conquer. Take that illustration because that's exactly what Jesus did for you. Amen. I think he deserves a hand clap after that. Come on. Thank you, Father. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Let's pray over this. And um, you remember that you leave this building knowing that you're more than a conqueror. You leave this building knowing that you're loved by God. You leave this building knowing that you are free. Not to be an idiot, free to be a blessing. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you for where the word has taken us. And we receive it. And I receive it. And even into my own life, even in the different challenges that we face on a daily basis from work to ministry to family. We thank you, Lord, that we are more than conquerors. And I bless this congregation this afternoon. Father, I know everybody in this building. I know they're born again. They're believers. We know a lot of people are out of town celebrating Independence Day. and That's fine. But we're celebrating not only an Independence Day, we're celebrating an Independence Life. That, Father, you gave us freedom. And, Father, right now, I want to pray for you guys. You don't have to come up here, but if any of those things hit home, those watching me online, um, here in a moment, we're going to take communion, so y'all get your stuff ready. But I want to pray for you. That if you saw yourself in this message at any point, where you're facing a challenge, where you're going through persecution, tribulation, where you're going through a hopeless situation, I want you to relax. I want you to realize that Jesus paid it all. And that's your freedom. That's the freedom that the Holy Spirit brings. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Just lift one hand to heaven. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for every hand that's up in the air. I pray for the online church that is in on this. And Father, we just thank you that by the Holy Spirit, we are free to worship. We are free to walk in health. We are free to have our families restored. We are free to be debt-free. We are free, Father, to so many things, but the biggest one this morning is we are free to be loved by you. And, Father, in that love right now, I release the blessing. I release, Father, miracles, signs, and wonders going into every house this very week, areas that they've struggled with, areas, Father, I release my faith now in the name of Jesus. I want you to raise your faith. Some of you may be thinking, Pastor, you don't understand. This has been going on for a long time. Well, let me tell you, God is the God of the suddenlies. God can switch this thing on in a second. You just got to trust him. But you got to receive that he loves you. Thank you, Lord, for the love that was shed upon us through that cross and through Jesus. And yes, sir, we receive the fact that we are more than conquerors. That we conquer life with all its hiccups and all its negativity we are conquerors and i bless everyone in this house and i bless everyone watching us online in jesus name everybody said amen you may be seated and i would ask the ushers to minister the communion to everyone in the church i want you to take communion based on what we talked about today i want you to seal it with that little cup and that wafer i want you to seal that prayer i prayed with that have to get the attitude to say, I'm done with that. I'm not dealing with that anymore. Maybe it's internal. Maybe you're dealing with internal issues, attitudes, depressions, anxiety, 
or maybe it's external. Maybe it's an attack on the outside. Maybe somebody or something or a certain circumstance in your life has changed or has turned. And those are the things I want you to take communion over. Thank you. Glory be to Jesus. We'll wait till the ushers finish ministering to people. Nobody else was there. 
I would still preach to them. They're like, okay, we're having church. So thank God y'all came this morning. God bless you for it. All right, so let's, um, let me mention this briefly before we pick up this morning's offering. And I, I want to kind of hit on the same point. Once you realize, once you realize that God loves you, and, and it's something that's going to grow. It's not gonna, like you're going to wake up one morning and say, oh, I, got, I, haven't, I haven't really got it. I mean, I, I understand God loves me, but to really, how can I put it? To understand what I read versus to get that in my spirit is different. I know he loves me, but to the magnitude where I'm worry-free, I'm not there yet. I'm way better than I was, though, because I don't, I, I'm not, you guys, my, my wife, I don't worry about a lot of things. I do, you know, of course, something, some, because I recognize what worry is, uh, you know, I'd rather just think things through and find solutions. And if I don't find solutions, really, I give it to God. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm okay, Lord, it's all yours. But um, it comes to all of us. You know, you had a short month, you know, even in the church, for example, the church finances in the summer, I'm telling you people, if you can see the numbers, <laughs> it goes down like probably more than 50%. And we still got all the same expenses. So everything goes chew when you're looking at numbers and, you know, we got to like the rent in Laredo's is a huge number now that we pay $2,000 a rent a month. And, you know, it comes in, you know, but you start looking at that and pretty soon you start, and that's, that's the moment you go to this. You say, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going there. I'm not going to worry about it because God's got to figure this thing out. The only thing that you have to understand is that you're promoting in your life the areas of increase. And that's what I wanted to talk to you here just a couple minutes we've got a few minutes left right before 12 and I think this is the hardest because just from personal experience it seemed like my wife and I really got a hold early that God could heal you just you know she went through some things we saw the power of God it built our faith of course we've seen it many times in our family but there was a long time I'm talking many years that it just seems like I couldn't grab the revelation in the area of prosperity in other words resources so we understood God loved us. We understood God healed, but it came down and we were always short. I mean, always lacking, you know, always behind a little bit, you know, having to remember, don't raise your hand, but when you don't have any money, like piles up on you, because if you don't have money in the bank and then all the checks hit, not only you don't have the money for the checks, now they're adding 35 bucks for every bounce check. And here we go, you know, and those are very stressful seasons. And we, we went through all those, you know, so something that every th- every action with God causes that reaction and in the area of prosperity really it's still back to your hand it's always going to be back into your hand so if you read in 2nd Corinthians I just want to pull a couple things 2nd Corinthians you know chapter 8 chapter 9 but I want to specifically focus in chapter 9 I want to just pull one thing out of here because I want to encourage you you know don't ever let money talk you out of a blessing what do I mean, mean by that? Okay, everybody understands what the tithe is. But I've always taught, you know, I, do you think people should tithe? I think it's a personal. The New Testament, let me clear it up. It really doesn't say you have to do anything. But when you understand the global covenant of God, going back into the Abrahamic covenant, then you understand that tithing is part of your covenant. Because it's not a different covenant. And the Abrahamic covenant, including the tithe. So, you know, what is the tithe? Just to clear up the air, because, you know, we have new people. So what is the tithe? Well, tithe is 10% of your increase. So let me break that down just from the God perspective. So increase means, so if I, if I have this bottle of water and, you know, I paid a dollar for it, let's say, and I sold it for a dollar fifty, what was my increase? This is not a hard question. 
50 cents. I paid a dollar, sold it for 150. That's business, right? Marketplace. So my increase was 50 cents. So what is my tithe? Five cents. It's not 15 cents because I already had the dollar. And that is really how tithing works. So, you know, you work a week, you know, you, you worked, you got your, your paycheck, you increased that week, you got a tithe, you sold something, you made a little money, whatever you made a little money, that includes your tithe, so forth and so on. So you kind of grab that. But the other part is that that is not really, again, in the New Testament, I'm careful with what I'm saying because I don't want people to misunderstand it. There's no have to. So don't get under condemnation, but at the same time, at least keep it in, the, in your thinking process because this is the way God uses to prosper you. You know, this, these are the rules of prosperity. In other words, you could say these are the laws that govern prosperity. Will you go to hell and if you're not a tither? No, I don't believe so. I just believe that that arena of finances is not going to be blessed until you... Because here's the thing. The peace comes from just doing what God tells you to do. You don't have to question it. You don't have to... Because it's, it's hard. I'm telling you, I'm, you know, I'm in the same place you guys. That, you know, your bills pile up or something piles up. And you're like, hey, you know, 10%. That feeling, you better talk to God about it and resolve it. I think you'd be better off having a conversation with God and resolving if you do or you don't than just feeling guilty or condemned about it. Because again, you shouldn't be condemned. But then you get into this, and let me just read it, read it real quick. At the end of the day, this is what I believe works. It has worked for me for many, many years, and I'm sure it'll work for you if you if you, if you grab onto it. So in in Second Second Corinthians chapter nine. I'm just going to read about three scriptures, but you're going to get my idea. He said, I say, verse 6, Paul writing, He which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Well, that's a pretty simple math equation. If you sow a little, you reap a little, right? You sow a lot, you reap a lot. And he that showed bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man, pay attention, according as he purposes. So now the ball is back in your court. So God's not demanding money from you. God's not trying to squeeze money out of you. He says, hey, what's your purpose? Watch, watch now. So let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves what? Cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. Well, to be a cheerful giver, the only way you can be a cheerful giver is because what you're doing, you want to do it. You know, nobody says, I'm cheerful, I'm going to the dentist. Nobody's ever said that. Well, maybe there's one that crazy person, right? You know, I'm cheerful. I got audited by the IRS. You know, nobody ever says that. Cheerful comes from a sense of joy, of sense of completion, of something you like to do. And this is to me the kicker. When you understand how much God loves you, you're cheerful in your giving. Because you're just proving to yourself that you cannot outgive God. And God will test you. My God, he'll test you on this one. In a good way, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll sow a little seed and say, you know, you'll come to church and say, I'm going to give $20. You know, you already set your purpose. Good. And then you're sitting there and the Holy Spirit says, just you know, do a hundred. You're like, whoa, hang on. He's not going to force you to do the hundred, but the little seed has been planted. Why? Because he's trying to get you to that bountiful harvest. You'll still get a harvest off the 20, but God knows if you can trust him, you say, well, you know, Lord, but I got all these bills to pay. He'll be fine if you don't do anything. How do I know this? Because he's, he does it to me all the time. He, he, he pushes you. He prompts you. But guess what? The cheerfulness doesn't leave. The cheerfulness doesn't leave even when God prompts you. Now watch this. Because this is where I wanted to get. Verse 8. And God is able. Everybody say God is able. Say it like you mean it. 
Is God able to get you out of debt? You can, I mean, how many, how many ways do you think he could do it? If you can think of 20, he's got 100 billion ways to do it. All right? To make all grace abound towards you. Grace is unmerited favor. I believe this, this scripture with every fiber of my being. That you are having always all sufficiency in all things. Imagine your life, like if you had, I'm not, I don't even use a credit card because credit card, you got to pay it back. Imagine you had a debit card that had no limit. That your bank was always so saturated that you could just do whatever you wanted. You didn't even have to think about it. You didn't have to go check your balance first. Anybody? We do that, right? You know, check your balance. I told my, my wife, don't use a card. Don't use that card. Here, have some cash. I don't want to, you know, it's low on funds right now. Well, here is God is, God is giving you a promise to say, if you find cheerfulness in giving, if you find confidence and peace in me, says the Lord, not me, Calvin, the Lord, that I can take care of your problems, that I can prosper you financially, that I can put you in a debt-free home, if then you can sow bountifully. Because it's a non-issue, right? God's got this. The cheerfulness comes from the knowing that there's no way that God's going to leave you out to dry. He's not, he's not going to do it. And it finishes with this. I mean, he doesn't finish, but I need to finish. It says, to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, pay attention now, because remember what we were free? The first freedom, in case you forgot the, from, the, from the sermon, the first freedom from the four that I gave you, freedom to be a blessing. That's what he's looking for. Look at, the, look at the last line of that scripture. Hopefully everybody's looking at it in some form. But here it is. To every good work. That's the blessing. So God says, hey, so sparingly, you get little back. You so much, you get much back. But guess what? I'm giving you a grace that you have everything in abundance. He goes on to say that you're enriched in everything at the end of the day. Why? So you can be a blessing. And that's really the global plan. And while you're being a blessing, guess what? Your house is blessed. You can't be a blessing if you're broke. I mean, you can be a blessing like verbally, like I love you, but you're not going to help anybody. No, God wants a church that understands prosperity. God wants a church that understands how this whole thing works because God did not leave one area of your life out of this covenant. But we tend to, when we talk about money, we tend to lean into like, no, 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 I got to figure this one out. No, you don't have to figure it out. You just got to learn how to tie. You got to learn how to sew. But you got to do all those two things. You got to do them in the concept of love. Never listen to this under the context of legalism. If anything I say comes to you under context of legalism, you need to resolve that yourself because I'm not doing that. Does it make a difference to me if you tithe? Or, and I'll tell you what, it, it doesn't make a difference to me personally, but it does make a huge difference to me pastorally because our only limitations to do more for God really the only one is because ideas we have them um, how can I put it mechanisms we have them where we could send you know tons of money to Cuba do a lot of stuff with money but, but our limitation is really just at the end of the day just the amount of money we have you know I talked to Pastor Joy last week and you know because of the, the situation here at the church I'm saying you know we're going to send some money but we can't really send as much as we do so, he, so, you know, our limitation turns a little bit into his limitation. Now, he's got to learn, and he knows. I mean, he doesn't have to learn. He knows how to believe God. He's done it before we existed. But, you know, we are connected to Cuba. But if we're limited here, well, we can't help that one, right? So that is really what God is trying to say. You know, he says, I want you in abundance. 
So if I call you to say, hey, we need to send $1,000 to Cuba, boom, it's done. You don't have to sit there and say, well, I'm going to have to wait three months before I can do it. And I think that's the idea that every one of you will, will get. Start believing God. Really put yourself out there to believe God to be a successful and prosperous person. Don't just say, well, I just got a dead-end job. God, can, God doesn't, you, you know, you think that's all he's got? Some of you, you know, you could have a DI you don't even know, and she dies, and she leaves you $10 million. You didn't even know she existed or the $10 million. Come on, how many ways do you think God has to do this? We are the ones that put the limitations. But by being a consistent tither and a consistent giver, you begin to break those limitations. Because that's my covenant. When we go, when we go through a tight spot, I immediately talk to God about all the seeds we've sown. When the church goes through a tight spot, I immediately talk to God. There was one time I was in Arizona. Uh, we were at Healing of the Nations. And... Um, Go ahead and stand with me. If I see you standing, I'll shut up. If you need an envelope for your giving, it's right next to you. Get one ready and fill it up as much as you can. I'm just kidding. And we, you know, we had gone. There was the church had had a lot of expenses that time. And I remember I was I walked out of the parking lot and I opened my phone app.